Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Over the past several weeks, we have been on a journey, beginning with the Advent season and attempting to lead people past the Christmas story. We settled there for a little bit and moved on. We wanted to remind the world that Christmas wasn't an end in itself. It was part of a divine journey laid out from eternity past. And we spoke of it as part of the redemption story that God was in Christ, redeeming the world unto himself. And we looked at the divine redemption story as planned by God, a promise from God, prophecies concerning it, the preparation for it, the presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ on that great Christmas day, followed by the personalization of this great redemption story in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. A hill called Calvary, Golgotha, where Jesus had already resigned himself to the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And he carried out the act that would be the beginning of this great thing known as divine redemption. He laid down his life and he rose again as he promised he would. Calvary covers it all. And then following the, this personalization was a proof of our redemption. Jesus rose from the dead, and last week we spent a little time looking at what followed this proof, and it is the proclamation and the propagation of this great grand redemption plan. We began looking at the propagation stage of God's redemption story. That took us into the beginning of the book of Acts. We heard Jesus tell his disciples that he was going away, that he would return for them, and the plans of God would eventually be realized as he restored all of creation that was lost because of our sin. And then he introduced the propagation aspect of our redemption. That's where you and I come in. Jesus invoked the promise that the early disciples were to wait in Jerusalem for the indwelling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And that following that they should go and tell the story, propagate the good news, beginning at Jerusalem, and he says in all Judea, through Samaria, and then unto the utmost parts of the world, and he promised, I will be with you. And that assignment was where we found our earliest disciples engaged in the propagation of the gospel. We mentioned that it was not a state assignment, we observe that the first revival came as the Apostle Peter preached Jesus and the resurrection. And they were paid off with imprisonment 
and dispersion. Yes, imprisonment, dispersion, and martyrdom. We skipped over some of the great moments in the early parts of the book of Acts and observed that whatever happened there set the believers running for their lives. And wherever they went, they preached the same grand old gospel of redemption, the good news. It was costing them imprisonment and martyrdom. Allow me to stop here for a moment and ask the question, do you get it? Do you get it that this gospel of the grace of God is not an academic exercise? Do you grasp the picture that this was not a political enterprise? Do you understand that it was not a commercial commodity? It costs God heaven's best. I know there are some who would have me preach what we're calling a modern gospel, something suited to 2022, a version of the gospel that is more friendly more seeker-friendly, more user-friendly. I challenge you. I challenge you to find that in the book of God. It's not there. I've heard it said that we cannot go back and relive the first century experience. And so we need to move on. Look for something new. Hear me. Hear me clearly. The commission is not to be tailored in order to anticipate the outcome that we want even if it's a noble outcome. With our permission, and with your permission, we'll continue to pursue the proclamation and the propagation aspect of the redemption story. And we want to look at it as it's recorded in the book of Acts. To accomplish this, we will peruse the book of Acts and glean from its pages instruction and examples of what and how we ought to carry out this assignment as propagators of the gospel of Christ. Just so we are on the same page, we should point out that we are using the word propagation as is defined in our English dictionaries. The original word that found itself into the English language came from a Latin word that appears to have been primarily used in the agricultural sciences. One dictionary identifies three scenarios in which the English word propagate finds its usefulness. I find that, albeit unintentionally, each aspect of the definition is applicable to what we are attempting to communicate. Let's take a look. Propagation. Meaning number one, the breeding of specimens of a plant or animal by natural processes from the parent stock. The propagation of plants by roots cuttings. Propagation techniques such as grafting. You see the idea of reproduction here? So then, we are in the business and in the ministry of propagating, reproducing ourselves in the lives of others. Paul said to Timothy, the things that you heard of me among many witnesses, the same proclaim to others that they also may be able to teach others. It's the ministry of Jesus Christ being carried out by the followers of Jesus Christ. So then we are in in a good and safe place to use the word propagation. Another definition is the action of widely spreading or promoting an idea or a theory, a life devoted to the propagation of the Catholic or Christian faith, is what the book says. The propagation of ideas was also important. And now, the third aspect of the definition of the word propagate, transmission of motion, light, 
sound, etc., in a particular direction or through a medium. The propagation of radio waves, for example, through space. The psychic physics of light through is propagation. What the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned the church to do is significantly aligned to all of these nuances of the meaning of the word propagation. Jesus said we must be fruit bearers. Jesus says we are the light of the world. Jesus said we must reproduce life and light, bearing ministry in our world, a world drunk with lust for power, dark with the corruption of sin and selfishness and hate. Jesus said that in the world, this world, propagation will come at a cost. He says the world won't like you. You won't be hail fellow well met because you're preaching the good news. You're propagating the news that God is in Christ, calling sinners to himself. The early church, they got it. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 as one example of the early church and the early disciples engaging in the proclamation and propagation enterprise. We also saw one aspect of the conditions under which they carried their propagation activity. It says those who were scattered abroad went everywhere, and wherever they went, they preached the gospel. Oh, may I stir your heart. May God stir your heart. May God stir my heart to embrace the conditions if they come to us the way they did to the early church. Oh, we may not have it in exactly the same way, although our brothers and sisters in many countries today are having it exactly like that. They're hunting them down, and if they name the name of Jesus, they must recant or be killed. Here is the quotation from Luke's account. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. What does that mean? Why were they scattered? Look back at the beginning of the eighth chapter of Acts. The chapter begins with a conjunction, a connecting word. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. What in the world is Luke talking about? Well, let's go back a little further to chapter 7. Friend, let the Bible speak here again. I cannot say it any more clearly than the book says it. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen had been preaching. And when he finished preaching a hell-shaking, ear-bending, heaven-sent message of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they didn't respond with praise. There was no newspaper coverage. There was no local announcement that revival was coming to town. Stephen was being questioned and challenged for his faith in Jesus Christ. Religious people, religious leaders were listening to a man full of the Holy Ghost and power defending the Christ of the cross, and they couldn't take it. He didn't have a three-point sermon. He didn't even have printed notes. The record states that after Stephen had taken them through the divine record of God's redemption plan in the Old Testament, he didn't even have time to wait for an altar call. The leaders were furious. Here is the record, straight from the book. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, at this, they covered their ears. 
yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed upon him, and they thrust him out of the city, and they stoned him to death, my friend. And he went home, saying, Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen saw heaven open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Do you get it? Stephen got a standing ovation from heaven. What a way to go. What a way to go. Friend, I know I have heard it preached that the record we just read was understandable for that day, but that today we live in a civilized, Christianized, Western civilization. We should march. We should gather our legal defense team. We must get the government support to proclaim a gospel that is politically correct and that is intellectually pleasing, my friend. I can't find it. I can't find it in the book. I'm afraid it's not written there from Matthew to the book of Revelation. There's nothing like that. It talks about standing alone with God and in the power of the Holy Spirit proclaiming the message of God. My friend, witnessing is proclaiming Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Are you in? Are you with Paul? Are you with Jesus? Are you with Stephen? Or are you with the crowd, the giddy crowd, the religious crowd, the political crowd, the intellectual crowd? Oh, my friend, may Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit invade your life and fill you for the glory of God. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Coming home, coming.